Thanks for joining us again on the Sit Down Startup Podcast. Tara and I bring you inspiring stories from leaders, investors, and makers that are building the future of customer experience. Pedro's right. You'll hear how these leaders navigate the challenges of building a customer-centric business in a casual coffee shop-style conversation. Our guests chat over coffee to share their stories. Are you liking our podcast so far? Be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at SitDownStartupHandle. As we close out season two, we have Carlos Gonzalez de Villambrosa, founder and CEO of Product School. Product School is the global leader in product management training, and Carlos founded the company by bringing his robust experience of building teams and digital products all around the world. He is also passionate about building a community for product managers. And who better to speak with Carlos than Shana of Overtone, our Executive Vice President of Product at Zendesk. Shana is a rock star in the product world herself and has been leading product teams for over a decade. Are you ready? Let's sit down and start up. great uh, to be here in this virtual coffee shop with you. How are things going today? Good to see you. Cheers. Cheers indeed. <laughs> uh, since we're in a coffee shop, we're going to ask you the question we ask all of our guests here on the podcast. What is your favorite coffee shop drink? I am a cappuccino type of person. Venti. Very good taste. I am also cappuccino. Wet, wet or dry? Do you have a preference? I mean, at this point, uh, I'll take anything, but uh, usually Starbucks when I'm on the road and I bought a very fancy coffee machine here at home. I've heard that from a lot of people. We, we sort of, uh, you know, we got addicted and then they sent us home. We were on our own. <laughs> So you are one of our great founders here on the podcast, and you founded Product School back in 2014, and uh, you've, you've grown just by leaps uh, in, in the time. Can you sort of tell us about your founding story? Like, what was it that was going on that made you think, this is, this is what I have to do? Sure. Well, as a product person uh, yourself, I'm sure you empathize with this. I, I come from an engineering background. And nobody taught me anything about business or, or how to build. It was all about coding. And I soon realized in my career that I didn't want to spend the rest of my life coding. I just wanted to leverage the technology background in a different way. And in a way, product school is the, the, the school I wish I had when I was getting started. It was literally a solution to my own problem. Um, back in the day, I didn't even know where to go or what to do other than coding. So the, the closest alternative was business school, which sounds absolutely crazy today. But anyway, that's what I did. I moved from Europe to uh, Silicon Valley. I started a graduate program in Berkeley. And I soon realized that it was kind of the same problem, but from a different angle. Here we are with a lot of engineers thinking business and with a lot of uh, business folks also trying to work in tech. But none of the, the subjects were really about product management or digital marketing, data analytics, UX design, and a lot of the skills that many of us use on a daily basis. And, and this is a two-year full-time program, which is absolutely insane to me. So you know, I think that throughout my career, I've been a founder. This is my third company. And I realized that I pretty much learned on the go. And uh, by tapping into networks, learning from mentors, failing. So at the end, it was like, well, what if I create the school of my dreams? A hybrid in between an engineering and a business school that hopefully gets the best out of both worlds and can 
deliver this training in a much more efficient way. Because another thing I hate about traditional education is that it's so stiff. Like we're, we, I don't understand why we are supposed to learn full-time until our mid-20s and then get a job uh, full-time for the rest of our lives. Well, what if you can have it all? And uh, what we do at Prod School is to deliver training on weeknights or weekends. This way, both students and instructors can keep up with their lives. Yeah, I mean, I think so much of, of product and product management comes from lived experience and this idea that, that there's enough that you could learn in, in one class in school one time and then go and be prepared. Uh, I love this idea of ongoing training um, that's built around uh, working. I know I have learned uh, everything <laughs> just sort of by doing. Uh, it, I think... This is a, you know, an interesting sort of this hybrid idea of how do you um, train product managers? I think, you know, we as kids, we get a doctor set. We understand we can grow up and be lawyers. We can play Barbies and she's goes to the Supreme Court even. But no one talks about sort of this funky product management role. Like uh, I'm guessing starting a school to do this was tough. How did you sort of go from zero to one and get your first students and your first instructors uh, on board? Yes, well, that zero to one process is what gets me excited the most as a founder. And I did it in a very scrappy way. I did everything myself. We are a bootstrap business. So I used my own knowledge to participate as the instructor. I was in charge of recruiting the first students and pretty much to do absolutely everything. And that was the same way for the first year and a half or so until we were able to start um, growing the team. And another reason why I wanted to do it this way is because I really want to ensure that the quality was there. I know that especially in Silicon Valley, there is a lot of myth around raising money, growing fast, and it seems to be like a batch of honor based on the amount of millions that you raised. And uh, this was different for me. I've done that in my previous company. I raised money and, and I did all of that. It just didn't make me happy. And I realized that what makes me happy is to build something and to spend time with my users. And what better way than using the, my own product and, and being the product. So um, that was a really good way for me to get feedback early, validate what I was teaching and make sure that our students were setting up for success. And then, of course, as, as soon as we got that, uh, what some people would call minimum viable product, of course, the only way to grow was to start delegating. And, and the way I, I tried to delegate was by partnering with incredible product leaders, um, people who are much better at product than myself, that have been there, have done that. They work at companies such as Google, Facebook, Airbnb, Zendesk, and, and others. And, and I know they're busy, and obviously uh, we can't expect them to quit their job and, and start teaching, but we were able to create a model where they can give back to the community on weeknights or on weekends. And the main reason why they do it is because they didn't have a product school when they broke into product. Yeah, I, I certainly didn't. There was a lot of failure on my early journey. Um, you know, it's interesting talking about you as a, a founder and, and starting up product school. Do you have thoughts on sort of what the role of the product manager is in an early stage startup and sort of maybe how it's different or even the same to sort of product managers at different stages of? Yeah, I, I think there's, there's definitely a lot of overlap, especially at the early stages of a company, because um you don't really have the team to or the resources to start growing that much. So the founder or one of the members of the founding team is usually wearing the product manager hat. And until it gets to a point where it's just not sustainable, uh, you have, let's say, at least five engineers and you are either raising money or doing sales or doing other functions. At some point, you need someone to focus full time on the product. 
And that can either be an early employee who eventually just focuses on that or, or you can hire someone. But there's a huge overlap between founders and PMs. And I've seen so many companies, like large companies like Google or Facebook, they actually hire a lot of founders, make them PMs. And I've seen a lot of PMs at companies that at some point decide to to leave and, and build their own companies. Yeah, I, uh, I've heard people describe this sort of, I think as product people, we like to say like, we're the CEOs of our product area, but it's interesting. I actually think the CEO is the PM of the company. <laughs> um, so much of what we do, like the, the connecting and, and the planning. Yep. Um, you know, I think how, um, how you connect with your, in your case, your students and your instructors as part of this, you know, kind of customer experience and, um, uh, sort of customer journey. How do you think about that? And sort of how is service playing a role in the founding of your business and how you're differentiating yourself? That's core to us because at the end of the day, it's a service. And that means that we interact with our users uh, very often and they know our name and we know theirs. And it's very important to keep that quality very high. For So even as as we, we are today, seven years forward, we have a community of over 1 million members and we've graduated over 20,000 product managers, but we still keep that feeling of family and the cohorts or the classes that we run are really, really small, up to 20 students. The instructors that teach in our classes are really high quality. They have to be product leaders. They are not traditional instructor uh, teachers. They'll keep their full-time jobs. And, and I think that is the, one of the, it's the secret sauce for us is that we are 100% focused on one thing, which is product management, but also we want to keep that, that quality bar really, really high. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like you've really invested a lot in not just training uh, all of our uh, great product professionals, but really sort of building a community out of them. You know, can you talk a little bit about what that community brings in addition to the sort of education part of product school? That's a good point um, because yes, education is our main main business, but in reality, I think of our company as a community. We have over 1 million members and over 90% of our resources are absolutely free and accessible to anyone. I think education has to be accessible to people and not everyone can afford certain programs or maybe they're not ready to do that yet. So I did this since the very beginning. I started organizing events. Uh, we started publishing content online. Now we also have books. We have a job board. We have discussion forums. We're trying to create different resources to help people learn and connect with each other. And, and that's absolutely free. Then, of course, there are some people that eventually will want to take that next step and, and get certified, but that's not necessary. And I also think it's part of the lifelong learning concept. Not everyone learns the same way. For some people, it's more about just reading books. For others, it's about having coffee chats with other PMs. For others, it's about just having more formal training. So I think the beauty of building a community is that you can you can help people just pick what works for them at a very specific point in life. And we're doing this for the long term. So hopefully some of the people who started with us early without a PM job are now in a position where they can even hire uh, new PMs from, from our community. And I think that is really beautiful. It's great. I and mean, I think one of my favorite parts about the role of product manager is that uh, so many different backgrounds come to product manager. There's not just one path. And I think it's a fantastic place for us to really uh, open doors for lots of people who maybe haven't been in um, tech before and, and want to come in because 
we don't have any of the bars, right? You didn't have to graduate from some kind of fancy engineering school <laughs> or, and you can really avail yourselves of some of these great, um, opportunities like the community you have, or, um, or even, you know, the certification you have to really take that next step in a career. Um, it excites me a lot. So thanks for doing that. I think it's also fun. You know, I, I, there's like an element of building something that you can't fake. Just like if you're not really excited about what you're building, I don't think other people will believe more in it than than yourself. And, and the product is so close to my heart. I, I consider myself a product person and I treat my company as a product. I spend less time with engineers these days, but I still apply the same mindset. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the hardest jobs, I think, but it is to me the most uh, satisfying. I can't imagine doing anything else as also a lifelong product person, right? You never have the same day twice. <laughs> and, um, and you're right, right? You're, all of your influence in an organization is, is soft. You, you don't get to tell anyone what to do. You just have to be excited enough that people want to come with you. Totally. Uh, and I think that also we're seeing more and more validations out there. Uh, companies whose CEOs come from a product background. We see more companies that created the role of a chief product officer or an executive vice president of product. And that is really good because when I started in my career, I didn't know where to go. I was just an engineer who didn't want to code. And and I think the, the more role models are out there and the more education are out there, the easier it is for people just, just to have options. Yeah, I'm really uh, excited at, at Zendesk in that, you know, I am a product leader who came up through the trenches of product management. I think in the early days of sort of product leadership, you know, someone from go to market came in or marketing and 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 came in to lead a product organization and to have uh, to be able to be a product leader leading product uh, managers is super fun. I think we're running out of runway on this uh, on this question because we're all going to be vaccinated soon and the world will be amazing. But sort of as we as we're in this in between space of almost the end, sort of what, when you think about how your business changed over the last year, what do you think you'll take with you um, into the future? Totally. Well, in a way, I think product managers are, are building the future. And if we've learned something about this time is that product management is more necessary than ever. The, the more companies are now working remotely uh, or the more businesses are now offering some of their services online, that means that, that they someone has to be there with that transformation. Someone has to be there putting together business with design, with engineering, and that's called product management. So during the last year-ish, uh, we had the biggest growth in our life. We more than doubled the business. And I think a big reason of that is, is the macro trends that we are seeing because there are even companies who are downsizing still hiring product managers. I think it's a beautiful time in history for all of us digital creators. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, I think um, I'd be interested uh, to hear from you. Um, I think so much of the success of a product manager comes from building trust um, with the people around them, with their engineering teams, with their go-to-market partners, um, you know, have how do you think about um, doing that in this era of us all being sort of in our houses? Yeah, it was it's tricky, right? Like there's no silver bullet, right? And but one of the things that I think helped us was that we were already uh, applying some of these concepts before the pandemic. Like we already had an online campus. Our team was already working remotely and it was global. So we had a head start when now the world's trying to catch up. For us, it was more about accelerating our roadmap than really trying to figure out how to survive. Uh, but that doesn't mean that 
something can't happen tomorrow. So I think it's our responsibility as, as PMs to focus or try to keep an eye on, on what's going to happen next and, and try to anticipate as much as possible, knowing that, of course, things happen and we are all trying to play catch up every once in a while. Uh, I, I've noticed that there is no slowing down of you know new companies being founded in this time and, and eventually they all need product people. I'm guessing I could go and, and look online and, and get this answer, but I'd love to hear from you. So what do you think the most important skills are um, for that sort of uh, first PM in an organization um, who's coming onto a startup? What, what skills do they need? Which, how do they bring those to the table? You're right. There are now more companies realizing the need for product management skills. Uh, at every single stage, early, but also late stage. Um, the answer would change uh, depending on when you ask this. Like seven years ago, when I started, a lot of people would ask me, well, do I need to be an engineer? Do I need to know how to code? Do I need an MBA in order to work as a product manager? And I think we, we all graduated from that. Uh, we are all seeing that there are obviously incredible engineers who turn PMs, but also marketers, operators, uh, people in success and uh, sales. Like really, the background is is not the only the only variable that matters here. So the key skills that we see these days that make that difference are one is true that you need to be technical enough in order to feel comfortable working with engineers. But being an engineer is not the only option to acquire that skill. Number two is having a business acumen. Because at the end of the day, you need to understand how your product is going to be successful and how your users are going to get value out of your product. Because at the end of the day, you're building a, a product. It has to be used and it has to generate some sort of return. And then number three is the communication skills. And I think this is especially relevant as, as PMs grow in their career. Because some of the challenges that we face early on are more technical and more about, okay, how do what do we build and how does it work? And then as we grow, it's more about people, right? And, and, and how to coordinate different teams and how to align expectations and how to hire and how to check for culture fit and, and so on, so on, so on. So I, I think of a PM as a generalist role, someone who sits in between engineering, design and business, and doesn't need to be the best at anything, but it has to be good enough I pretty much everything. I always tell people that if you really want to be a PM, the thing you have to be best at is humans, because so much of this job is about communicating and, and building that glue and connecting the dots. Technical enough. I like that one, too. I usually say uh, you have to be at least technically curious. <laughs> but you don't have to yes. be an engineer. Totally. And I was seeing another trend, which is help supporting that, which is, a lot of tools are becoming no code. And back in the day, you really wanted to access data. You, you, you need to know CQL, you pretty much have to have a PhD or something. Now it's not about that. Like there are a lot of tools that are very easy to use and it's more about empowering non-technical people to, to try to get value as soon as possible. Yeah, the, the struggle isn't in getting the answers. The, the talent is in knowing what questions to ask. Exactly. We talked a little bit about it, but I'd love to sort of dive in a little on how do how is it time um, to know you need a PM in your startup? I, I do some advising right now, and I just had a conversation with with them on this, and I think it's really interesting. Like, what is what is what does it feel like when you're you know you founded a company, you're starting to get some traction? When when do you when do you know it's time to bring in a PM? Hopefully, a member of the founding team is uh, product curious, at least. 
right? And is willing to wear that hat. Uh, I think back in the day, it was more about coding and, and hacking a solution and then trying to figure out how to monetize. And, and I appreciate that now companies are, are trying to put the user in mind first and they are willing to go out or have a Zoom call and try to get some of those inputs before they start actually coding. So my answer is, first of all, the, one of the founding members should be acting as the PM. And then usually that first official PM role happens when there are around three to five full-time engineers. And then the key decision is, well, is one of the founders going to focus on that and call himself or herself a, a CPO? You know, in startups, the titles are cheap, right? Everyone is a vice president. Or are we going to promote someone in the team who is really passionate about this and, and they have the trust of everybody else and they might not have worked in product before, but they are showing good, good signs. Um, I think at the very beginning of the startup, it's, it's more about passion and attitude. And then, of course, as, as the team grows, it's also important to bring in external talent. Here at Zentesk, we, we just did some uh, rearranging and now uh, product and uh, our advocacy team, what we call our own customer support team, are now sitting uh, side by side. And I'm actually really excited about the sort of life cycle of people who are on the front line with our customers uh, being even closer to us in product. And sort of what do you, how do you see uh, the role of um, product in the sort of customer support journey? How can, what kind of benefits do you think you can get out of, of building ties there? Well, I think it's fantastic what you are doing, uh, connecting uh, customer success uh, with, with product. Because one of the trends that we are noticing is that product is, is at the center of everything in the organization. Product is a team sport. And uh, it's not just for the people who have the word product in their title. So I believe that success should know more about the product. Sales should know more about the product, marketing, and so on. And I think that type of product culture helps people really understand the entire experience of the user from end to end. No more, all oh, the sales team is selling a PowerPoint and then when the user pays, good luck. And then we, we give them something that was probably overpromised. And you know, now I think this is technically called product-led growth, um, but regardless of the label, it's, it's more about creating that mindset of product is an entire experience from the very beginning before the user actually becomes a customer all the way until the end way after the, the customer actually processes a transaction. Yeah. The other thing I'm excited about is we're bringing um, actually the website into product. And I've seen this as a trend too, where the sort of product experience, like you said, starts um, well before uh, someone is a customer and, and gets to go all the way through product, um, you know, the buying and the trying and the using. Um, so it's, uh, I'm really uh, it, I've talked to a couple people and, you know, a couple years ago I was like, hmm? And now I'm like, of course, it totally makes sense that those things would live together. Totally. And, and I think another thing that's happening is now product teams are, are becoming um, more complex because it's not just product manager. The product team is not just made up of product managers, right? And we see other roles growing such as growth product or product marketing or product design, regardless of the title, or could be business analysis, could be project management. We're all in this together. And I think it's very important to create this type of collaboration and not just create silos between, oh, engineers code, and then when they code, then the marketers go and market. No, no. I think everyone needs to understand what really, what the product is all about. And I think in so many places, those roles are, you know, 
who does what in the big Venn diagram are different. You know, sometimes there's a lot of product marketing in the product management job. Sometimes there's a lot of product management in the product marketing job. And sort of how do you, um, you know, in a role that does seem sort of squishy when you think about um, doing training, are you sort of preparing the world's future product management leaders for sort of being flexible <laughs> depending on where they land? Totally. I mean, at the end of the day, there is no playbook, right? Like, obviously, there are some sorts of good practices and, and, and frameworks that we can all agree with, but we all need to have the flexibility to know that once we land into a specific company, we also need to adjust. And you can't apply the playbook in a five-people startup the same way you will apply it into a 500-people company. So I think... It's more of a mindset that once you understand certain fundamentals and the lingo, the tool, the frameworks, then you can apply that to whatever problem comes next. And I think that's what's most exciting to me as a product person. Like, I'm not afraid of what's, what's coming. I think I have a good sense and I'm not afraid of trying. And if I fail, I understand it's part of the process and I'm going to try again. Um, I think it's, I've been really um, interested in seeing a whole new suite of tools that are targeted at uh, product managers. I come from like the, you know, old timey, I feel like sometimes I'm one of those country doctors. Where I'm like, uh, you know, I'm going to check your heart and I'm going to know what's wrong with you. But uh, <laughs> I'm with my pencil and my notebook and sketching, um, you know, how do you see that landscape of, of sort of the new set of tools for product managers and, and what's exciting to you there? I think it's fascinating. Um, back in the day, I think product managers were piggybacking on other people's tools. I remember using Excel to create a roadmap or maybe Photoshop to create some wireframes or a PowerPoint, I guess because there weren't tools created for PMs. Uh, we actually launched an initiative called Productverse, which is an interactive visualization of the most popular product, uh, the most popular tools for product managers. And they, there's a collection of over 200 now, and there are subcategories. So from A-B testing to wireframing to product analytics, now you, you have even too many. So uh, it's important also to not get too lost into those, those tools and understand that 80% of the tools work the same. And it's important also, again, to, to have the flexibility to know what works best for your team. One thing that I appreciate about those tools, other than that they are no code and they don't require uh, an instruction manual in order to use them, is that they are very easy to integrate with each other. So the, the product team has the flexibility to create their own stack. Who would have thought the product manager would have a stack? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And even if sometimes there are certain tools that um, they are not going to use, I've seen more and more PMs being part of decision-making process and just give their input on what are the implications um, before they, they make one of those big decisions. So a couple of things as we get close to the end here. We, we always ask our guests, um, when you reach out for customer uh, support for the companies you do business with, what's your channel of choice? Great question. You know, my channel of choice these days, personally, is when I have a problem, I have a problem now. <laughs> so I need to get an answer now. If the co company offers a, a live chat, um, I, I tend to go there instead of filling out a, a form and, uh, and wish, you know, hope for the best. Uh, but if I see a phone number, I sometimes even try to, to text better than, than call. Um, a phone number, yeah. It's funny, we, we do a, a benchmark survey 
And we found that um, our youngest cohort of people said they go to their phone first to get support. And it was sort of perplexing because we're olds. And we're like, wait, they're, I didn't know that they knew how to dial phone numbers, but they're not. They're texting or they're searching. But, you know, it's referred to as their phone. It's great. Um, and, um, you know, I think we're definitely seeing that as well, that um, – we all want, you know, it's rare that you have an issue that can wait these days. And we do want support now. And that idea of having someone who can help get you an answer fast, um, definitely resonates. Um, so, uh, with that, I think the last thing we, we want to know is, you know, what's, what's in store, um, for the future of, of product school, what has you, uh, the most excited as a, as a founder for the future? That is my favorite question because I, I live in the future in a way. As a, as a founder, I tend to focus on what's going to happen next. And, and I'm very excited about the future. I think it's never been a better time in history to build digital products. So um, personally, we are trying to support more and more PMs to grow their careers, not just aspiring PMs to get that first job, but also experienced PMs to continue growing the career ladder. And we're now doing a lot of work with corporations that are going through digital transformation and in a specific, uh, you know, big, big projects to create this type of product mindset beyond the product team. That's awesome. Um, it was fantastic uh, speaking with you today. And thanks so much for being part uh, of the last podcast of our season here um, at Sit Down and Startup. Uh, thanks so much. Thank you. And also thank you for contributing so much to the product community. Thank you, Carlos. We loved having you on the show. I had the pleasure to follow the growth of product school since the early days. And I'm amazed by how you and the team grew from building product courses in San Francisco to a vibrant community of over 1 million product leaders. That is incredibly impressive. And Carlos made a really good point that we are seeing more and more product leaders making CEO and the C-suite. Building that community of product managers has a big impact on businesses in general. And I'm happy to see that Product School focuses on making that education and community accessible to more people. If you like this episode, help us grow. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. Sadly, this is our last episode of the season. But don't worry, we are going to take a short break to test new coffees around the world, and we will be back with season three soon. Also, if you have a guest you'd like to see on the next season, send us a message on Instagram at sitdownstartup. Stay safe. And hungry. Hungry.